uh, today's service, I told, I told the congregation that we would be laying hands on anyone that uh, we're, we're specifically going through a word tonight about living a life of freedom, living a life of freedom in Christ, and how to remain free. And so we really wanted to focus in on, on uh, living free, and if there's anything in your life that needs broken off, anything that's been a cycle in your life that just seems like, man, it, you know, I've been trying to break out of this thing, break out of this addiction, break out of this, this uh, whatever it is, this thing that's been holding me back for however long, it could be 20 years, but God tonight wants to set you free. And so we're going to be praying for people afterwards, but tonight, before we do that, I want to go through a uh, a few things of how to live a life of freedom. There are things in our life that we have to do in order to live a life of freedom. And this includes pastors. It includes, it doesn't matter who it is. If we don't exercise these things, then we're going to be living a, a life of struggle and we'll eventually go backwards. We'll drift. But if we do these things, we'll stay the course in Christ and we will live a life of freedom all of our life. So we want to we want to go through these things this evening and I want to go ahead and I'm going to give you some scriptures with with each point that I make. Um, but I want to start off with Galatians. If you'll turn to the book of Galatians. Chapter four. And let's just go ahead and open up with prayer. Father, we thank you so much for your word. I pray tonight that every heart would be set in your hands. Lord, that we would live our lives according to your purposes, your will, your ways, and your word. Lord, that each person would yield themselves to you, submitting our hearts, our minds, and our understanding to you. I pray for the spirit of wisdom and revelation to come upon your children tonight. Unveil any eyes that needs to see uh, into the realm of the spirit the things that you have done for them. Lord, that our minds can't even fathom the greatness of you. So I pray tonight that there is an unveiling of, of that, that we can see into the spirit. We can see the things that you have bought and paid for us and to see that life of freedom, that we won't be held captive any longer. But I declare tonight is a night of freedom, of coming out of bondage, of, of unsetting that yoke from off our necks and we will walk in the total freedom that God has paid for and purchased. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Galatians 4, it says in verse 1, now I say that the heir, as long as he is a child, does not differ at all from a slave, though he is master of all but is under guardians and stewards until the time appointed by the Father. Even so, when we were children, we were in bondage under the elements of the world. So I just want to stop there for a second. You know, even as a child of God, we can be in bondage if we don't understand what Christ has done and if we don't understand certain things that we must walk in and we must do in order to keep that freedom. And just like it says in this scripture that a child is no different than a slave, even though they're both under the master and the child is actually an heir of the master, but he can look just like a slave because he has not yet come into the the heirship or the authority of what has been given to him because he's still a child in his thinking, in his understanding. So we have to walk with a maturity and walk in a way that the word of God is our source, it's our truth, and it's our principles that we follow. So there's things tonight we're going to go through that as we implement each one of these things, you're going to see uh, a shift in your life, and you're going to see uh, things that, that may have been difficult before aren't so difficult when, you, when these things get implemented. And, of course, they'll make sense as we go through them. And, you know, some of them you might be like, uh, duh, yeah, that makes sense. Uh, but sometimes we just have to be reminded, you know. 
So let's go through these. Living a life of freedom. And let's go through the first one. Number one. Number one is remove any items connected to that life. You have to remove any items connected to that life. What life? Anything that is not pleasing to God. So if there are things in our lives that are not pleasing, that connects us to a lifestyle, that connects us to an addiction, that connects us to something that causes us to go astray, we have to get rid of those things. We have to get rid of, of anything that's in our home, anything that, that we might possess, that, that we might cling to, that in our minds, you know, maybe it was something that... Well, you know, my dad gave me that at 13, but it causes you to stumble. Well, you know, that was given to me by, you know, so-and-so years ago, but, but it brings depression on you. And those things, we have to make a choice that that's not going to be something that we allow to stand in our way of our freedom. And there are choices we have to make sometimes that we say, you know what, my freedom is more important. My walk with Christ is more important than this item, than this thing that I'm holding, or this thing that I tend to, to keep near me. And those, let me list off some things that could be. It could be anything paraphernalia-wise, dealing with drugs, alcohol, anything like that. Uh, bottles that you keep stashed in a, in a cabinet just for a, a bad day that's, you know, well, I'm just going to keep this on hand. Just, just, this is my backup. This is, my, this is where I go to, to just find that peace or find that, that bit of uh, downtime needles, anything, any paraphernalia whatsoever, you have to trash it. I remember one time uh, a couple years ago, we were uh, down at Fifth Street Park, and we were doing a, uh, an outreach down there, and there were some people, because we went through, we invited everybody in the neighborhood, we fed them, uh, gave them food, and, and then gave them the word afterwards. And there were many people down there, and some of the guys down there threw their needles in the trash right there. Because under the anointing of the word, people realize that that thing's keeping them in bondage. That that thing is, is not a way that they want to live. So those things you have to get rid of. Why? Because they'll be, they'll be your backup plan. It'll be the thing that you run to if you allow yourself to keep it. It'll be the thing that, well, you know, I had a bad day today. Well, you know, I'm just feeling this way, I'm feeling that way, and that, that's just my crutch. That's what I'm going to lean on. It could be music that you listen to. There was a time years ago, I went through old CDs, old stuff, old, uh, you know, things, C CDs. That's when CDs were around. We don't deal with <laughs> many CDs today, but, but in, in that time period, I went through all the CDs that we had, and I tossed them. Because there was stuff that, that was on him that, you know, I'm like, that's not glorifying. We got rid of everything that did not glorify God. And it was like, why, why are we keeping this? Oh, yeah, but that's, that's the, you know, the camping CD. You know, we play that when we go camping. Or whatever it is. You know, well, there's memories attached to that. You've got to decide what's more important. Is your walk with God more important? Your freedom in God more important? Because songs can send you down a path that you were fine, and then all of a sudden, well, now I'm just feeling really depressed. Or now I'm, I'm feeling like going out and, and partying because of the music I'm listening to. Or now I feel like going, going out and, and hooking up with somebody because of what I'm listening to. People think, oh, no, I just like the beat. Don't tell me that you can't listen to that stuff and not be impacted. In fact, those are words going right into your spirit and right into your heart. Those things impact you, and it impacts how you think. There are some things that come on, and, and you're like, you hadn't heard it for years, and you're like, what? That's in there? I used to sing that. That's awful. <laughs> but it's, it's guarding your heart, guarding your mind. And so there's, like, music is another one that you have, to, you have to look at and say, is this glorifying God? What about your phone? What's on your phone? Do you need to get rid of apps? There are certain apps that maybe you need to get rid of. 
There, maybe your phone is causing things that, that they're popping up. You might need to put some security measures on your phone. What's the Bible say? Jesus said it's better for you to gouge out one eye if your eye is causing you to sin rather than you go to hell with both eyes. Now, Jesus wasn't seriously advocating, like, go around and, and gouge out people's eyes if they've got a problem looking at porn or looking at uh, things and, and lusting, but he was giving you the severity of what was going on. To, to Something that will cause you to go to hell, it's better for you to take out your eye, pluck out your eye that's causing you to sin, than to live an eternity in hell with both eyes. Or if your hand causes you to sin, then cut off your hand. If your foot causes you to sin, then cut off your foot. So he's, he's giving you the severity, the seriousness of it. And so we have to understand that God's not playing around. And I know we're in an Americanized culture that gives a lot of messages of, of the wrong type of grace where they say, well, God understands. That's not what Jesus said. Jesus never once said, I understand. I understand your sin. What did he tell the woman that was found committing adultery? Go and sin no more. He didn't say, you know what, I know this is going to be, you know, this difficult time. And, and you know, I'll understand if you mess up for a few years. I under no, go and sin no more. That tells me that he expected it. That it's possible and it can be done. Books, magazines, necklaces. Why do I say necklaces? Because there are some people that are, that necklace gives them more of a, they find more of a security in that, or there is, it's actually a demonic connection to the spirit realm. Because there, it's crystals or it's something that connects them with the demonic realm. Well, this is just my, my, you know, my peace stone or whatever, you know. These are my beads of whatever. But they're finding their source not in Jesus but in a demonic way. God says get rid of it. Get rid of it. Clean your house. Statues. Things that, that should not be in your home. They're shrines or they're, they're uh, gods of other places. People have gone to... to uh, various vacation spots and picked up souvenirs and then they don't realize what they're bringing home. I mean, even when we went to Hawaii, somebody gave us a, a tiki statue. Guess where it went? It was a gift. I could have said, you know what? That kind gentleman, he gave us this and, and I just want to keep it because it was so special because it was a gift from one of them and they gave it to us and, and I don't want to throw it away. It went in the trash. Not because they didn't care about the individual, but that's not going to set in my home because it can become a gateway for the demonic. I remember one time when Zane was like five, and we had Christmas at uh, my dad's side of the family, and uh, his, his sisters and uh, family that most of them are not saved and so one of them bought him a one of those things those ugly uh, gargoyles or whatever I'm not sure if I'm saying it right but those ugly creatures this you know what I'm talking about they sit and they, they and they say that they're supposed to guard from evil they are, they're evil spirits themselves they're disgusting looking and they gave, they gave him one of those from D.C. Oh, this came from D.C. I don't care. <laughs> and it was a piggy bank or something. Guess where that went? <laughs> I'm like, sorry, Zane, we're going to throw that one away too. But you have to guard what's in your home. And if you have to go home and do a cleaning, go home and do a cleaning. And then anoint your home. And, and declare that your home is going to be a home for God and his Holy Spirit, not anything else. Memorabella, anything that has to do with sorcery, books of sorcery. You know, the, the store five below, has anybody been in there and seen that junk that they're, that they're now promoting? 
There's like all kinds of children's sorcery things that they're selling there. Books that teach them how to, how to have uh, certain chants, how to, how to cast spells. You gotta guard what your children are, are getting in the schools, what they're, what's being given to them by their friends, what they're picking up in places that you may not even be aware of. Like guard what comes into your home. And don't say, well, you know, my child, at least they're reading. This is the only thing they'll read. It's not worth your child becoming influenced by a demonic realm and opening things up in their life to evil spirits. Because it's exactly what will happen if they put themselves around that. Memorabella. Anything from, well, you know, this is... This is uh, something that means a lot to me, but it, it's causing a, a problem somewhere. I'm not saying you have to get rid of every memorabilia, but if it's causing an issue and a problem, don't let it stand in the way of your relationship and what he has for you with God. So anything that you need to get rid of, get rid of. In fact, in Acts 19, 19, let's go there real quick, <coughs> and then i got to move on. Acts 19, 19. Well, let's, let's back up to verse 11, because really that's what sets the stage for it. Acts 19.11, now God worked unusual miracles by the hands of Paul so that even handkerchiefs or aprons were brought from his body to the sick and the diseases left them and evil spirits went out of them. Then some of the itinerant Jewish exorcists took it upon themselves to call the name of the Lord Jesus over those who had evil spirits saying, we exorcise you by the Jesus whom Paul preaches. And there were seven sons of Sceva, a Jewish chief priest who did so. And the evil spirit answered and said, Jesus I know and Paul I know, but who are you? And then the man in whom the evil spirit was leaped on them, overpowered them and prevailed against them so that they fled out of the house naked and wounded. This became known both to all Jews and Greeks dwelling in Ephesus, and fear fell upon them all, and the name of the Lord Jesus was magnified. And many who had believed came, confessing and telling their deeds. Now look at this, verse 19. Also, many of those who had practiced magic brought their books together and burned them in the sight of all. And they counted up the value of them, and it totaled 50,000 pieces of silver. And the word of the Lord grew mightily and prevailed. Do you see what happened? They saw the power of God. They saw what happened. And this whole community is impacted because of, of what happened. And they seen that God is more powerful than any evil spirit. And they now gave up all of their books of sorcery and burned them in the fire. In fact, 50,000 pieces of silver. That's a lot in our day. I'm not sure what, it equivalent, what the equivalent was in that time, but that's a lot. But they gave it up, and what happened? The word of the Lord spread mightily. See, there was a, there was a block that happened until that point, until they released that thing that held them and bound them because they were depending upon that. They weren't looking to, to God as their source. They were looking to sorcery. When that happened... It says the word of God spread mightily. The word of God was powerful among them. So there was a hindering factor that was there whenever they chose to keep whatever uh, their, their items of sorcery or anything that they kept a hold of. So removing items that are connected to any life that's keeping you bound. 
You know, this even happened with Zacchaeus. I'm not going to read the story, but what did it say that Zacchaeus did when he got saved or when he, when he had Jesus, when Jesus came to his house, when Jesus invited himself to his house, <laughs> he said, Zacchaeus, I'm coming to your house today. And, and he went, and what does it say that Zacchaeus did? He said that he repented and he paid everybody that he had wronged back four times the amount. And Jesus said, salvation has come to this house today. Why? Because he righted what he had wronged. The wrong that he had done, he corrected and made right. There was an action behind his repentance. Many times we just want to say, I'm sorry, and then go on, but not correct what's be- what happened. But if there's things that are there that need corrected, then we need to do that. So getting rid of things in our home. So number one, remove items connected or associated with that lifestyle that's that's holding you back. Number two, number two, change your associations. Change your associations, meaning people and places. People and places. I'm going to read out of Psalms chapter 1. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. But then it goes on. It says, the ungodly are not so, but they are like shaft, which the wind drives away. Therefore, the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous for the lord knows the way of the righteous but the path of the ungodly shall perish so there's a there's there's a price for walking in the path of sinners there's a price for having your your close circle of friends and the people that you hang with Wicked, ungodly people. Well, they have a good heart. They may have a good heart, but they're not going to have the mind of God. They're not going to be led by the Spirit. So they're going to give you unwise counsel. They're going to give you counsel of what makes sense to them and what is in their heart. And girl, you just live how you want to live because you only got one life to live, so just live it and have a good time. And that's the kind of wisdom you'll get from the world. But that's not good wisdom. What's that going to look like in 20 years after you've lived your life and had a good time? Well, you might have some, you might be a single mom. You might have some things standing against you. You might be convicted of certain crimes. You might have (laughs) so much debt that you can't keep up with. And now you've got a, a household where... It's just climbing up, and, and, and there's nothing there that's making you happy now. You might have lived your life and, and sowed your oats, so to speak, but it, it's the burden that you carry with that is not fun, and it's not good. It's not a peaceful lifestyle. It doesn't bring you peace. And so God is saying here, if you walk in the counsel of the wise, you become wise. Why? Because if you hang out with wise people, you become wise. Because you begin to think like them. That's why the, uh, the Bible says that bad company corrupts good character. You become what you hang out with. That you don't see like a very wise person hanging out with a bunch of people that talk stupid. That's not normal. You don't, you don't come across like a group of five friends and one of them is like extremely wise and everybody else just runs their mouth and just acts stupid. Because you become what you hang around and a wise person doesn't want to hang around foolish people. 
Because he's going to look at that and say, you all are, are nutheads. I'm going to go find some different friends. And sometimes you have to do that. You have to draw the line. And it doesn't mean you call them nutheads. I'm not advising that. But what I am advising is that you put yourself around godly people. Because you'll, you'll continue to make decisions that look like a nuthead decision if you don't. And then your life will look like that. So you have to change your associations, places and people. Well, what does that mean? Don't go to the same places. If you're, if you're hanging out in places that every time you go there, or the, the majority of the time you go there, you end up getting drunk. You end up getting high. You end up hooking up with somebody. You end up living a life that, that's not good. If you go to certain places, you know that, well, I'm going to go to the bar tonight and, and witness to, to so-and-so at the bar because I'm just filled up with the Holy Spirit, and I'm going to go and I'm going to minister to them. How well do you think that's going to work out trying to minister to a drunk? You don't go where they are because that environment is infested with the demonic. And you can't play in the enemy's camp and think that you're not going to get touched by the enemy. Stay in the camp of the righteous. And when so-and-so finally gets to a point where they're done, they'll call you because they see your life changed. And they'll see your life with an answer. And they'll say, hey, I'm really down and out now. I don't know what to do. I've got this and this and this going on. I need help. Come to church with me. And you can see what's changed my life. That's how you bring people along. But you don't do it in the enemy's camp. You've got to change your associations. And I'm telling you what, if, if, if you do this, this eliminates so much temptation. So many people deal with temptation because of the places they go, the people they hang with. If you eliminate that, it eliminates the majority of your issues. Because you're not setting yourself up to have to fight and resist the temptation. But if you pull yourself out and say, you know what? How many, how many when you come to church, how many of you feel any, like, temptation? You're sitting here going, man, I just sang that worship song, and I just feel like going out and taking a hit. Do you, do you feel like when you're sitting here amongst Everybody that's promoting God and worshiping God and, and just living a life for God, do you feel like going out and sinning? No, it's, in, it's not until you get home and then somebody calls and says, hey, you want to go do this? Hey, you want to you go hang out? I don't know how many times we would, environments are, are I tell you what, clean up the environment and, and you'll clean up a lot. We, we would see it time and time and time again. So many kids were radically touched in Hana, but they would go right back home to an environment that they didn't have control over. And as a result, within moments, minutes, couple hours, they were sucked right back into whatever everybody else is doing in, in that home. And it was so difficult. And it was just like one day. One day could throw everything into a turnaround. Because of what? An environment of people and places. And then all the stuff that was around. But most people here, you have your own place. You can determine your own home. You can determine the environment. You can determine what enters your home, where you go. So change your associations. your people, and your places. Number three, number three. These are practical. Obviously, 
you know, being led by the Spirit, prophesying, all of these things can help in your walk. But I'm giving you practical steps because a lot of times these things aren't touched on as much. And, you know, we're, we're pushing like the Word and we're pushing walk in the Spirit. But these are practical things. And if you'll implement these, then you won't have to fight in the Spirit. Number three, do not be led by feelings and thoughts. Do not be led by feelings and thoughts. Feelings come and go. Thoughts come and go. That is the soulish realm. Your soul, your mind, your will, your emotions, your, your heart, the, your intentions, your, uh, all of those things are wrapped up in the soul. Your soul can be accessed by the enemy. I'm not saying that the enemy is coming into your soul, but what I'm saying is, is he, can, he can bring thoughts to you. So just because you have a thought doesn't mean it was always your thought. Sometimes the enemy can, can come in and put a thought in there that makes you doubt what's going on. Makes you doubt that you're a Christian. Makes you doubt that you can be victorious. Makes you think that this isn't possible. Makes you think, well, you know, all my other friends, they understand me better. All kinds of things. Well, I feel more comfortable with them because they know me. There are times we have to, we, we have to be so determined. It's like, I am not going to let that drag me back. I choose and I refuse to go back. I refuse to go back, and I'm going to plow through, and I'm going to make new friends. I'm going to make good godly friends. I'm, I'm going to surround my people, and even if there's no one there at the moment, I'm going to stay the course. No matter what, I'm going to stay the course because my relationship is not going to be built upon friends. My relationship with God is going to be built on God. And he will bring people along that will help in time. But even if it's not there at the moment, don't ditch eternity because there's not a person there right now that, that is as close to you as someone maybe that you've known for the last 5, 10 years. We had to make separations at various times in our life. Some of them weren't even, at one point, yes, it was, we had to cut off the worldly friends. But then there was a point in time, we even had to cut off uh, associations with people that were not walking the same walk of faith. Because they begin to put doubt or sow seeds against faith just in a conversation, even what God was speaking to us to do. It was like, ah, uh, why, why do you have to move to Hana? There's plenty of missions to do right here. I don't think you're called there. Seeds of discouragement. You know, just like If, if God wants to promote you and bring you blessing and bring you into a, a greater place, he's going to bring people in your life to do it. He's going to bring godly people in your life to do it. But if the enemy wants to take you off course, what's he going to bring into your life? People to do it. If the enemy wants you to get discouraged, he's going to bring somebody into your life to do it. If he wants you to be drugged into sin, what did I say? You're going to get that phone call, right? He's going to bring people into your life to do it. So that soulish realm of thoughts and feelings will lead you off course. That can't be your, your compass. That can't be your truth. That can't be your guide. And when you recognize that and realize that, then, then it's like, okay, I'm separating myself from that because I understand that the enemy can, can sow that. Now, your spirit is different. Your spirit is connected with God. If you are saved, then you're, you're communicating with God. But you've got to be in the spirit to hear in the spirit. And most people are walking in their carnality. They're walking in the flesh. So they're more in tune with fleshly things, and they're more in tune with their soul than they are their spirit. So watch 
your feelings, watch your thoughts. You've got to destroy old strongholds. And what I mean by that, let's turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Verse 4. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. So we see there that not every thought that comes in is a God thought because we have to bring it into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Now it talks about for the pulling down of strongholds, that the weapons of our warfare are mighty in God for pulling down of strongholds. What is a stronghold? It's an argument or a reasoning that's set up in the mind that we run to as a place of escape or safety. This is not, many times people think strongholds are like, the strongholds over this area, and we're pulling down strong, and they're, and they're thinking like it's, it's out there. It's the spiritual unseen thing out there. There are reasons and thoughts in the mind. Your reasoning, your thinking, the, the, the thing that you fall back on or run to, the arguments, well, you know, we're, we're all just going to, just like what I said this morning, we're all going to sin. That can be a stronghold of an excuse that people use to sin. But it's, that's not correct according to the word of God. And if you were here this morning, I went through a lot of verses that talked about living a life sin-free. So you can go back and get the podcast if you need to listen to that. But we're not to... We have to tear down those strongholds that have been set up by people that have sold them into our life. Culturally, things like now you have to watch because culturally, in this culture, feelings are so accepted. I mean, it's, it's the way you live now. 30 years ago, that wasn't the case. 50 years ago, that wasn't the case. Your word was your word. And if you committed to something, then you stuck with it. It wasn't about, can I hear all you guys that lived in that time period, was that right? Did you just say yes, Gracia? <laughs> all right. <laughs> but 50 years ago, really, like, your word was your word. And if you told somebody, I'll be there, I'm going to do this, you did it. You showed up. You committed. It wasn't, a, it wasn't about, well, you know what, I just... <sighs> I didn't feel like it this morning, and I just, you know, I just felt like staying in bed because it was raining, and I was just listening to that rain on this on this roof, and it was just really nice. And and last night I just, you know, I stayed up uh, way too late watching a movie, so I just decided to sleep in this morning. I didn't come. Fifty years ago, that wouldn't have flown. Somebody would have been done with you business-wise, and they've been like, okay, hit the road. We're not. We're done. We're, we're not having any more of relationship or business, anything. So culturally, that's now accepted. Culturally, we, our culture has accepted feelings as a standard. And just because everybody around you is like, yeah, that's okay, doesn't mean that it's okay. So sometimes we have to realize, like, we have to come out of our culture, and it's so easy to just go with the flow, to go with the standard that's been set. But if it's not God's standard, then I don't want to live that way. I want to live in a way that glorifies him because there are still people that live in a way of excellence. There are still people that live according to what they say in their word. So if you're going to glorify Christ in your life, You've got to live in a way that's honoring God. So don't expect your feelings to keep you. Your faith has to keep you. Your faith has to keep you. So even when you say, well, I got up this morning, I didn't feel saved. What saved you? The blood of Jesus Christ, not your feelings. 
Just because you got up that morning and you just felt like, oh, I don't feel saved, doesn't mean you're not saved. You're saved because of the blood of Jesus Christ. You're saved because he redeemed you, not because of your works. So you, you put everything on faith, not your feelings, not your feelings. You take even the principle or the concept of love. Love might have, the feeling of love might have started a relationship, but it is not what keeps it. The feeling of love is not what keeps a relationship. What keeps it? Principle. Principle. That I choose to stay married whether I feel like loving that day or not, right? Amen. We're in it for the long haul, for forever. And, and it doesn't matter how I'm feeling that day. It doesn't matter, you know, and I don't entertain any thoughts that contradict that. Kick those thoughts out. You take any thought captivity. Bring it under to the obedience of Christ. So anything that contradicts the word of God, that's why I say you have to build new fortresses in your mind, and they have to be the word of God. It can't be just whatever everybody else says. It can't be your own reasoning. It can't be your own opinions. It's got to be the word of God. So don't be led by feelings or thoughts. Number four. Know your purpose. Know your purpose and avoid idleness. Know your purpose and avoid idleness. People that are idle and don't have a purpose and they're just kind of like, oh, just whatever. Like, I don't have vision. Without vision, my people what? Perish. God said that for a reason. He said when they don't have vision, when they don't know where they're going, when they don't know what they're supposed to be doing, they perish. Why? Because they're without restraint. They just all over the place. Again, and what they do, they live by their feelings. But if you have vision, if you have purpose, then you're going to know where you're going, right? If I'm here, but I want to end up in Parkersburg, then I know that I got to get on 79 and then get on 50, and it'll take me to Parkersburg. Well, if I get on 79 north, and start going north, that's, I'm not going in the right direction. And so if I start doing that, I'm going to immediately know this is the wrong route. I'm headed in the wrong direction. But if I have no vision and I can just go anywhere, oh, I don't know where I'm going. I'm just driving. Well, then it's not going to matter what road I get on. I'm just going to go anywhere and anywhere will do. And that's what's happened with a lot of people, they don't know what they're living for. They don't have vision. They don't know their purpose. And in fact, in 2 Peter 1, it says, let me go ahead and read it to you because it's a good, I know I read 2 Peter this morning to you, and it's actually just a little bit right after the scripture we read this morning about his divine power has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. <clears throat> but in verse 10, it says, Therefore, brethren, be even more diligent to make your call and election sure. For if you do these things, you will never stumble. Make your call and election sure. Your call is your salvation. Make sure that your salvation is secure. And your election, what he has called you to do, your purpose. And you might think, well, I, I don't, I'm not necessarily called to, to be a minister or to do ministry. But you're called to live for him. And right now, he may be telling you, I want you to get involved with a ministry in the church. Right now, I want you to work on this. If that's what he wants you to work on, then stay focused on that and work on that. That's vision. And if you're headed in that direction, then you're not going to go backwards. 
If you're, if you're purposed in what you're doing, you're not going to drift backwards. But idleness is when people find themselves in trouble. Idle time, people start, oh, I'm bored. Oh, let's go do this. Let's go do that. I always, I always kept my kids busy because I'm a, I'm a huge advocate uh, of you have purpose. You don't just have idle time. And you definitely just don't have idle time with the TV. So you have purpose in your life. If, even if we watch a movie, we are purposed in what we watch. We're going to watch this movie. We're not just watching just to watch and let's just, you know, hang out and just watch whatever comes on. We are purposed in what we do. Don't be idle. Don't, don't just, oh, I don't know. Day one goes by, day two. And, and maybe, maybe, you know, because a, a lot of people that their time is, is most of their life is idle. Some people don't even, you know, they're, they're not doing a job. They're just at home. They're just idle all day long. Like they don't have a purpose. And it's so easy to fall into traps when your time is just idle time because your thoughts begin to play. Some people can think way too much <laughs> and it gets them into trouble because they play out scenarios in their head or they, they get sidetracked uh, by things. The enemy can get in there in idle time. So make your call and election sure. Number five. Number five, be in his presence and in the word. Be in his presence and in the word. You have to get to know him. You can't set up new, new understandings in your, in your mind and uh, walk by the word of God if you don't know what his word says. Every issue in our life is a wisdom issue. Because if we have the mind of God, if we have the wisdom of God, then he will give us the answer for that particular thing. Every problem could be found in the word of God. So everything is a wisdom issue. And I don't mean the wisdom of this world. I'm talking godly wisdom, his wisdom, the mind of Christ, the mind of his spirit. And when he reveals that to us, then we know how to walk and how to live. But we have to be in his presence. We have to know his nature. We have to get to know who he is. Psalm 1611 says, you will show me the path of life and in your presence is fullness of joy. You will show me the path of life. So his life, and it's not just, it's like life, the, the, the quickening of your mortal body, life. Like I was dead and now I have life because his spirit came into me. Life. You, you have, you will show me the path of life in every situation. So he has the answer. And in your presence is fullness of joy. In his presence is peace. Everything that we need and desire is in his presence. But we have to be in his presence to see those things, for the unveiling to happen. Because our minds, the Bible talks about how the spirit of this world, the prince of this world, blinds our minds. And until that veil is taken off, we don't see the, with the things that God wants us to see. We don't see in the spirit what he has for us. So it would, it would do good to even pray that. Father, unveil my eyes to the things of the spirit. Unveil my understanding that I may know your ways. That I can walk like you. I can become like you. And that's what it says that we're to, we, when we behold him, that we're changed from glory to glory. So when we are in his presence, we're beholding him. And, and it's like moments that, that you're in his presence and you just feel his peace. 
or you feel his love. You feel his purpose. You feel his passion. So there's various things he can show you in his presence. But that's getting to know him. And then you're getting to know what matters to him. And then you're getting to know the mission that he wants to put on your heart. In fact, Isaiah, that's exactly what happened. He said, woe is me. I am a man with unclean lips. And the angel came and touched his lips with a hot coal. But in that moment, he knew his unworthiness, and he knew he needed to be saved. He knew he needed the the sanctification of God, but then God gave him purpose. In his presence, that's what happened. Isaiah was experiencing his presence, and in his presence, he, he found repentance and sanctification, and then he found purpose. So it's in his presence we will find those things. So we have to cultivate a place of presence with the Lord all the time, every day. Whether you put worship music on, don't, don't listen to worldly stuff. If you don't want that junk coming in and, and impacting you, then listen to worship music. Listen to Christian music and music that's going to glorify him, not glorify a problem, not get you all weepy and sad like, yes, woe is me. I, I, there is a moment of repentance. There's a moment of consecration. There are moments we cry in the presence of God because we realize how great he is. And I'm not talking about that. What I'm talking about is moments of depression. There are some songs that they can lead you into a path of depression. So I'm talking about songs that glorify him. When you sing about the greatness of God, you know what you're doing? You're magnifying that in your life. And then you're like, man, I can do anything for God. And then you begin to see what he wants to do in your life. And you're like, yes, I can do it. Whereas you know, 20 minutes before, you might have been like, there's no way. I can't do that, God. I, you want me to do, I can't do that. I don't have the resources. I don't have the boldness. I don't have this. I don't have that. But then you spend time in his presence, and then you realize, like, his greatness and how big he is. Then you're going out in his greatness. You're going out in his boldness, not your own. So you're falling back on him in his strength, and it's no longer your weakness because in your weakness, he is strong. Be in his presence. Minister, can you come to the keyboard? You know, one of the things that I've been praying lately is, God, let me become more aware. Let your reality, let the spiritual, the supernatural, become more my reality than this earthly realm. And when that happens, you begin to talk differently. You begin to speak differently. And all the fear and the doubt of the world and and everything where the, the world will say it's impossible, you just laugh at. Or it can it can aggravate you because in the spirit there's an irritation. Because God gets upset with unbelief. When Moses, you know, God, God kind of let it slide a couple times with Moses, but when Moses kept saying, God, you can't send me. I have a stuttering problem. I have this issue. No, God, you can't send me. It said that God got angry because Moses wouldn't go. He wouldn't accept the assignment and just go. So God had to give him Aaron, his brother, to speak and be the spokesperson. God wants us to understand his greatness and what he is willing to do through us. It's just, he has to, we have to be in a place where we're willing to come alongside that and say yes. 
I believe in your power. Yes, I believe that you want to do this through me. I believe that this can be broken. I believe that that this stuff, I, I don't want anything to do with that. I want to walk in your holiness. I want to walk in your goodness. I want to walk in all the miracles that you have. I want to walk in your provision. I want to walk in your faith. I believe. I believe. Why don't we go ahead and stand to our feet? Minister, can you play You Are Awesome in this place? worship him tonight. that song we're going to pray for people tonight and I want to pray just stay in that song I want to pray for, for anyone that's been struggling with an ongoing cycle in their life something that's been a difficulty to break out of whether it's addiction any sexual sin perversion pornography anything that strife gossip anger that's been unbridled rage anything that's been in your life that's been a difficulty to break and you've tried and you've tried and you haven't been able to succeed and it's like there's that hook that that brings you back every single time now I'm not saying that after that that you you don't have to do any work 
Because all of these things that I just went over, those are the working steps. But the Holy Spirit and the, the freedom of God, the, the blood of Jesus, the name of Jesus can break that hold. And if you'll follow those things that I just went through tonight, then you can keep your freedom. You can walk in freedom. So anything that, that was mentioned or anything that even in your life that's just felt like it's just been a cycle. Maybe I didn't mention it, but you know what it, what it is because it's felt that way. It's just felt like, man, I just, I can't seem to get rid of this. It's because there's a demonic influence that, that continues to, to pull because there are assignments from hell. The enemy has been assigned to your life to, to keep you in that place. But that can be broken off in just one moment. So if you're willing tonight and you're ready to take that step and say, yes, I want, I want to be free. I want to be free. If it's depression, if it's anxiety, anything where it feels like the enemy's had you bound, I want you to come up. As he plays and as he, he sings that again, I just want you to come forward tonight and we're going to pray for you.